Conversations About Justice, the podcast. I'm Emily Sutcliffe, joining you from my dining room. So uh, please excuse any barking dogs or my crying baby. Today, we're going to be kicking off our alumni in action series, focusing on Penn Law graduates who are working to combat the unique challenges that have emerged as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. For our inaugural episode in this series, we're very fortunate to be joined by Kristen Dama. Kristen is a Penn Law alum, recipient of the prestigious Toll Public Interest Scholarship, and she currently works in Philadelphia at Community Legal Services, uh, which we call CLS, where she's managing attorney of SSI and medical legal partnerships. In that role, she oversees CLS's work connecting individuals with serious disabilities to social security income supports. She also oversees the SSI unit's work fighting for local, state, and federal systemic reforms that stabilize and improve the lives of individuals with disabilities. Additionally, she manages CLS's medical legal partnerships, which provide direct legal services to patients at primary care health centers in two Philadelphia neighborhoods. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to get to talk with you. Uh, I'm so, so appreciative. So just to dive right in, um, one of the main narrative around COVID-19 uh, seems to center on the medical biological impact of the virus itself, uh, which makes sense. But little attention is being given, at least you know, on the national scale in the media, um, to the disparate and varied harm that COVID-19 is having on marginalized communities. Can you help to educate us about the ways the pandemic is impacting individuals with disabilities? Sure, I think there's um, kind of the, the phase that we're in now, and then there's the phase that we're going to be in as the world starts to reopen. And I think both phases are going to have a huge impact on people with disabilities. Um, right now, we are, um, my colleagues and I are really worried about our clients. We prioritize um, representing people who have serious behavioral health conditions, who um, have experienced trauma. We work with a lot of kids with behavioral health um, conditions, and including, uh, including trauma-related disorders. And... Um, you know, I think this is just a really hard crisis for everybody's mental health, but especially people who are struggling um, with behavioral health conditions to begin with. And we're really fortunate. We have a couple of social workers that are just awesome. And they're spending a lot of time doing outreach to folks um, around telemedicine and making sure, especially as this has gone on and it's going to continue to go on for a while, making sure that people can um, stay connected to treatment, which isn't easy right now, especially for people who are low income, who... Um, um, have limited cell phone minutes or maybe, you know, not great internet. Um, people who are struggling uh, with, you know, food is a lot more expensive. It's a lot more expensive for me. You know, grocery stores are not having sales. People have to buy at corner stores if they can't take transit to the grocery store. We're really, really worried about people getting enough food and food. And um, for people who have, um, uh, who have, are living in unsafe uh, home situations or in community violence, you know, people are really stuck in those situations right now. And then you know, we have a lot of kids that we represent who have conduct disorders or who um, have, you know, part of their uh, learning disabilities, issues with 
uh, tantrums and 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 acting out as part of their uh, their disabilities. And uh, I'm just really feeling for the parents. We have really awesome parents that work with their kids. I'm just really feeling for them. And so I think um, all of the things that a lot of us are feeling right now about um, being stuck at home and being worried. All of that is just magnified times a million for people who have disabilities and for people who um, are lower income and especially people who are both lower income and uh, dealing with disabilities. I think down the road, I mean, right at this moment, the one great thing I will say about this is we have been, um, I want to give credit where credit's due. Social Security Administration has been really great at that being very flexible with its policies. And so on top of everything else that our clients are worried about right now, people aren't getting cut off Social Security, right? Um, people, Social Security is being pretty great about fixing cases and work, working on that. Um, I think the thing that I'm really worried about as this gets worse is that we really saw with the Great Recession that, um, for the first group of people that get disconnected from work and stay disconnected from work are people with disabilities because when the economy is really good, um, they can get workplace accommodations or employers are willing to kind of give them some flexibility. And as the economy gets worse, the people who need that flexibility in order to stay employed uh, are not the ones who get retained by employers. And what we saw with the Great Recession was that the social security system became the safety net, especially for older people who had been working despite their disabilities, but can't stay employed. And I think what I am really, kind of the systemic issue that's keeping me up at night is thinking about all of the people that are gonna need us who are going to be disconnected from work and thinking also about all, how it's sort of inevitable and we saw it with the recession, we sort of pivot to austerity and that social net starts to get um, picked apart as a policy, you know, we get worried about debt and we get worried about spend government spending. We get worried about, you know, um, uh, safety net rules growing. And so I think there's going to be both a lot of individual people who really, really need us soon. And I think there's also going to be a lot of work to be done to preserve the integrity of the, the safety net um, as, uh, you know, people start thinking about things like, you know, national debt. Thank you. Um, yeah, that that really, you know, kind of the cascading effect of what's happening in the moment and, and where we could go potentially in the future. Um, it, it's really profound to think about how it impacts uh, people with disabilities. And even, you know, you reminded me of, of things in my own personal life. Um, my mother works um, with, with disabled individuals and you know, it, you reminded me of her in the very early days of this, being very concerned about her, the people that she serves, uh, not going to work and, and wanting to keep them physically safe, but being very concerned that, you know, if they give up these jobs, they might not come back, have jobs to come back to because they would be in a uniquely vulnerable position due to the, uh, you know, accommodations, if you will, that are required for their employment. So, uh, yeah, so many things to think about that many of us don't, um, you know, aren't even aware of. Um, so when we think about this, um, how would these issues that you've just that you've just brought up, how would they look differently uh, if we lived in a more just and equitable society? What would that look like? Yeah, I think that's that's a big question. Um, I think part of the issue really does 
kind of go to to thinking about where where we spend our, our our money as a society and who what kind of safety net we want to have and I think there's been a little bit of that discussion around the economic impact payments or the stimulus and some of the um, and thinking about trying to imagine what supporting people who are disconnected from work or who can't work looks like and you know I always get um, I always get a, like a little excited when those conversations start because I think there's room for kind of really thinking about what, how we, um, how we support uh, people with disabilities who, who can't work and who maybe, you know, don't, don't have a nest egg to rely on. Um, so I, so I think that's part of it. And I think that's part of the discussion is to try to kind of keep protecting people um, who uh, get disconnected from work or are already disconnected from work. Um, uh, kind of keep um, keep that as a core value that we're talking about. Um, I think you know you talked about accom workplace accommodations, and I think it work. I think thinking about accommodated work and thinking about people who really want to work despite their disabilities and trying to maintain that pathway for them going forward. That's something that's really important and is hopefully going to be part of a little bit of a conversation at least um, among some people. Um, I think like the bigger issue is. There are people, we work with some really awesome disability advocate, um, activists. I feel like they say this so much better than, um, than, than I am going to. But um, they kind of keep noting that a lot of the things that are kind of coming out in the current discourse about COVID, about people, um, you know, sh people should just kind of work and if some people get you know, if some, if some people die or some people get really sick, oh well, and you know, it's all about the economy and, and kind of having that kind of false choice is sort of the, um, the, the narrative and, and, some, and some of the, the, the language that people are using is language that people always use around people around disabilities and now it's just being expanded much broader. And I just find that really, really helpful framing to sort of help me think better about some of the like societal assumptions that I've just sort of taken for granted is you know some of the things that we're reacting to are um, about you know medis medical shortages or rationing and things like that are things that people with disabilities have struggled with for years and um, really thinking about how to maintain that awareness in my advocacy going forward. Uh, and some of that is just making sure that people activists have space and right that I'm not taking up that space. Other people get, get to kind of keep saying that, but um, some of it is just no, recognizing that all of the things that we're worried about really are things that people with disabilities worry about all the time and that that should really motivate, you know, some of our thinking going forward. Absolutely. I mean, what a great opportunity to center some of um, the ways that we figure out what the world will look like when we emerge, however we're going to emerge from the current moment. Um, you know, if we could only center those voices and those uh, tremendous uh, experiences that people like your clients have and have always had, um, right, this is not new for so many people, these type of circumstances. So I think that's a really, really important point for us to highlight. Thank you for, for raising it. Um, so you're super humble and, you know, uh, that's part of the reason that you're such a wonderful person and I just consider you a, a dear friend, but can you talk to us a bit about what you and your team have been doing? You alluded to it um, in your praise for the Social Security Administration, but you've, you, you all have been doing amazing things, um, COVID-related work recently. Could you tell us uh, exactly, you know, what you've been doing? 
Sure. So we've been doing a couple things. Um, one of the things that I'm really proud of is our model, which I think is unique. Um, I think we're the only program that gets to do both um, individual client work. We represent lots and lots of clients in the social security system. And we also do a lot of national advocacy. We do class action litigation. We do um, a lot, lots of, we do some state lobbying because there's some state disability systems that we interact with. Um, we do lots of work with um, national, with Congress and the social security administration. And I just really believe in our model of um, working directly with our clients, helping to try to give them a voice in how the system should change, um, and then kind of taking those stories back either with them directly or on their behalf to communicate with people in power. And I feel like this moment has really been a great opportunity for us to put that model to work in that, you know, we, I think we're, we, we were able to take the lead and be one of the first uh, kind of groups of people to think about how uh, the COVID crisis should um, should lend itself to kind of customer service for like people dealing with the Social Security Administration. And Social Security, as I said to their credit, has been really great about kind of giving us an opportunity to provide feedback and to make changes. They've been um, much better than I would have even imagined back in March when we started these conversations about being flexible. Um, and, you know, and I think when there have been times where things haven't gone well, they've been really great about listening to us and letting us um, get things fixed. And so I'll give you one example. Um, you know, often people who get, um, go through the social security disability process, not to show that they're, they have a qualifying disability. It's, it's a really complicated and cumbersome process. And one of the steps is that you have to go to a, many people, not all, but most people have to go to a social security doctor and be evaluated. And there's only one doctor's office in the whole city. It's in South Philly at, um, uh, you know, subway accessible, but they, it's hard for people to get to. Um, it's stressful. You're in a crowded waiting room. It's like kind of like going to PennDOT in its structure. And, at, you know, for the first few weeks of this crisis, social, that office and, and some of the, the local disability uh, people, uh, adjudicators kind of took the position that since doctor's offices were essential services, that these appointments should be happening and that people wouldn't necessarily be penalized, but they were going to be scheduled for these appointments. And we just like, we were really, we have clients with like double lung transplants and people with really severe immunocompromisation. I say that right. People who are severely immunocompromised, let's say it that way. Uh, and so uh, we were able to kind of bring some individual cases and, and back and say, you know, this is just cannot, uh, cannot happen, right? Like just because, you know, doctors are essential services, these appointments are not essential. And that, and you are putting people at, at great risk. Um, and you're also creating a lot of like stress and you know anxiety that doesn't need to exist for people who are so, been going through this disability process for years and years and so um you know national social security they issued guidance they finally kind of took a stand and said these can't happen nationally we were able to get that outcome and we've been able to kind of do that um just for a bunch of little things you know that feel really small maybe and um and i don't i don't know if i said that particular things, wind sounds, but they're just those little pieces that make the process work that if you're not intimately acquainted to the process. And fortunately, as I said, Social Security has been great about listening to us. And sometimes, you know, people get busy and they 
you know, administrations or administrations and it just doesn't happen. But I think we've been really appreciative. And the other place where we're putting a lot of our energy is around the stimulus payments, the economic impact payments that came out with the CARES Act. You know, most people um, who are below a certain income level get uh, $1,200 for an individual and then $500 for their um, dependent kids under 17. And that's been a little bit of a mess. Um, it's been a mess for a lot of different people, but um, we have been working really closely with our national partners and with you know our friends in Congress. Senator Casey's staff has been awesome um, to really push from the beginning for uh, people who get SSI or um, Social Security, you know, the core disability benefits to get automated payments. And the IRS originally took the position that they weren't going to make automated payments to people, um, even though they are known, you know, the federal government knows who they are, they know how to find them, they have their bank account information. Um, and so we were part of a, of a push to really make that happen and to try to find individual clients who were harmed, to try to connect um, with our local tax preparers, um, you know, and help connect those folks to Washington, D.C. so that they could say, you know, we don't actually have the capacity to help people file taxes. Like, you need to make automated payments. Um, so the IRS did reverse course, which felt like a great victory. What, what they ended up saying, though, was that um, they would only issue one payment a year. And so they were willing to give people their $1,200, but if they had kids, they had a very narrow window to add their kids to their payments or they couldn't get the payment for the rest of the year. And that um, has just been so upsetting and so maddening because uh, people really need that money, right? Congress really intended for people to be able to um, uh, give, um, you know, to be able to buy food and to be able to pay their rents and be able to um, meet their expenses. And the IRS has basically said, oh, we can't really figure this out, so we're just not going to do it. And so for people who get some disability benefits, they only had 40 hours, four zero hours to add their kids. And um, if they didn't add them, then they're just not getting the payments. And we're already hearing from folks who didn't get the money and doesn't don't know, and just there's no fix. Um, it feels really like a justice issue, right? Like we're giving millions and millions of dollars to corporations and uh, you know, tons, you know, thinking about bailouts and where the next bailouts are going to go. And, you know, $500 maybe to the IRS doesn't feel like a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. That, that money really is like life-changing money for people who are really struggling to get by. And so that's what we're focused on right now is trying to figure out how to get the IRS to do the right thing. And so we're talking to Congress about making sure this is fixed in the next, um, uh, in the next stimulus bill, if there is one, uh, we're working with national partners who have a pipeline to the IRS and trying to kind of lift up our client stories and make sure they know how, how just devastating it is to not get that financial help that they were hoping and, and banking on. Um, and then, honestly, we're looking at litigation and whether and talking to some um, partners who are also interested in litigating and seeing, because there isn't really a legal reason. It's just kind of the IRS just doesn't want to put the resources into this, into, into figuring this out, how to get the money into people's hands. And um, I can just kind of get myself, you know, mostly we're kind of one step at a, at a time and we're plugging away at this issue in lots of, from lots of different angles, like I said, but um, I can just make work myself into like a true rage that, um, you know, we could really be doing the right thing and trying to create this safety net for people who 
um, are just kind of maybe experiencing the worst circumstances they've ever experienced in their lives. And instead, our government's kind of taken the stance that like, it's just too much work to try to help help the people even even when the money exists for them. I mean, so these are, you just highlighted, I mean, two remarkable nationwide um, efforts that you've been so directly involved with. I mean, that, that is really uh, so, so important. And thinking of the lives that you all have, have touched just by, ha you know, changing the uh, initial ruling on, um, you know, these essential appointments that would put your clients' lives literally at risk. Um, and then the issue of, of, the, of the money, um, yeah, it's it's super it's super uh, rage making for sure. Um, especially as we it seems like we continue to uh, center our values on um, you know corporate health um, and not the the physical health of our you know our people of our people. So thank you for being such an advocate and champion and warrior for our people. We got to care about all of our people. Um, so. Is there a, cl a client story that you would be willing to share with us or feel comfortable sharing with us um, that can bring to life what's really at stake here for people? Sure, I and mean, we're spending a lot of time um, gathering client stories, especially on this kind of these economic impact payments, these stimulus payments, and we have somebody who, um, uh, a, gra a grandfather who took in two of his grandchildren, um, his daughter's incarcerated, and uh, he's getting social security, he's caring for his grandkids, um, and kind of took them in unexpectedly because, um, because his daughter is um, locked up at the moment, and um, is really struggling right now because, um, to buy food, right? Like as I was saying, you know, everything in his neighborhood is more expensive. I don't know if folks are kind of going to their local corner stores or whatever to buy milk. It's really expensive to, you know, buy milk that way. And uh, the food stamps or the SNAP benefits he's getting are not going far enough. Um, his, so he's a social security disability recipient. He has a disability that keeps him from working. And as I mentioned, you know, so the IRS announced on April 20th that people had to fill out these, this tax form to add their kids to their payments or their dependent children to their payments, um, including their grandchildren, by April 22nd. So they announced it at 5 p.m. on the 20th. They had until noon on the 22nd to do it. And his daughter ended up calling him from jail because she heard, it on the, heard something on the radio about it on April 24th. She couldn't get to a phone in time. Called him as soon as she could get to a phone to call him and um, he'd missed the deadline. So he's got his $1,200 payment, he's entitled to another $1,000 that's going to allow him to kind of keep these grandkids safe in his house and able to feed them and able to not have to go out to a grocery store that's gonna compromise his health because he's somebody who's high risk just by virtue of his age and his disability. And um, you know, we're talking to a lot of folks like that. And as I said, you know, I, I, um, it's nice to have an action plan and we're gonna kind of keep plugging away at our action plan, but, um, it's it's uh, really hard not to uh, you know have just moments of fury that he's in this situation with money that he's entitled to, to get because he's has these dependents that he's taken into his house to care for because their mom can't care for them and um, you know there's not a path for him to get that money at this moment. Uh, thank you for for sharing that. I mean, I think it re it really drives home the the human impact of of these things. I mean, literally being able to provide food for, for children is, is kind of what we're talking about here. Um, keeping 
people who are, their health is compromised, keeping them alive is what we're talking about here. And so it, it's such a little bit of money um, and they are, it's their right and yet people can't, can't access it. So um, yeah, thank you for sharing that, that story with us. So now um, I'm going to shift into what we're calling the fast five kind of final portion of, of this chat where I'm going to ask you five questions and I just want you to answer kind of quickly and off the top of your head um, to help our viewers to kind of uh, get a better sense of where you're at and where, what you're thinking about. Um, is there one way that our listeners can, can get involved with the, with the work that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there are definitely ways for people to take political action. I think this is, if this issue that I just talked about, this issue of kind of subsequent second in, um, uh, stimulus payments for people who get automated payments with disabilities, um, I think that it's going to be Congress. So certainly calling your member of Congress, um, our uh, great partner at Project Home has a web link on their webpage. Um, where you can go in and kind of tailor a note to your member of Congress, your senators, both Senator Toomey and Casey, if you're in PA, to ask them to fix this. So I think that's a quick way to do it. I mean, I think the other thing to just say, um, I feel like uh, I feel like I have to say this everywhere I go right now, is that we're like every other nonprofit where we're just sort of watching our budget take a hit every day. And so I think, um, and. You know, so certainly if you want to give money to CLS, you absolutely should and we would love it. But I think just sort of remembering for folks who do have stable jobs and stable incomes that nonprofits are kind of out there doing a ton of work to try to maintain stability uh, for people who need it and to think about whether um, there's there's money that folks can give to kind of keep those keep that work going. Um, if not to us, then lots of other places need that money. Great, thank you. Two very actionable steps. Um, so question two, within these really uncertain times, uh, what's something that keeps you focused and keeps you grounded? I just feel so lucky that I get to, I mean, you know, we're in the same situation that a lot of people are where I have kids and we're tearing our hair out with school and we're trying to figure out remote work and how to get mail to our clients and all of those logistical things. And I just feel so lucky that um, the work that we're doing is actually helping people, right? And sometimes maybe not as much as um, uh, I would love for it to be. You know, we have those moments where we don't feel effective. But uh, I think that getting, if I have to be kind of in my house stressed about printers and scanners and kids, you know, school portals, I am really glad that it's it's doing it in the service of of, of our clients and um, you know would you know you you have a lot of students hopefully who listen to this and I hope they can find that that kind of work for themselves. Definitely, that's definitely I think the dream to be able to feel like the work that you do aligns with your broader mission and values in life for sure. Um, so what's one um, kind of completely possible, right? Not this kind of impossible dream, but something that could actually happen, like a legal change that would have a really big positive impact um, on your clients and the communities that they live in. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a million things I could say, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stay on message and kind of focus. I think the, the big thing that we are really hoping gets fixed is that um, economic impact payment issue. Um, it just feels like putting money into people's hands right now 
right? That's a public benefits attorney. That's, <laughs> that's always what I'm focused on. That's what my mission is. You know, I don't think money ever makes things worse and trying to get money that is available and that people are eligible for into their hands so that they can have a little bit of family stability right now, um, I think just goes a really long way. Given the current moment especially, but even generally, um, what worries you most about the future? I think I talked a little bit about this now. I think that um, we're already starting to see glimmers of conversation about how we're spending too much money or that you know the national debt is growing too fast, which I will note was growing plenty before this because of tax cuts. So um, I, I think we're really about to enter a moment, especially depending on what happens with the November election, where we're gonna start having a lot of conversation about what, what that government spending is too much spending. And I think the people who are usually harmed in that conversation are the people who have the least power, who are people who are who have individuals with disabilities, people with um, low incomes, people who um, have a hard time advocating for themselves. And I think there's just gonna be a ton of work to do, not just in my office, but as a, as a country to really sort of fight for values around protecting people who, um, are most likely to be harmed if the social net is eliminated. And what gives you hope for the future? You know, I am always really impressed by, you know, I, I think um, sometimes these issues feel big or complicated or technical, um, but uh, at the end of the day, I feel like people really get this, right? Like people really get issues around safety net and issues around fairness and issues about wanting to treat people um, with disabilities uh, uh, in a way that with, with dignity and with uh, with value and, and letting people kind of speak for themselves. All of those things that, you know, are kind of core values. I think people really get that. And um, it makes me feel like we need to kind of keep telling our stories. We need to make sure our clients get to keep telling their stories and speaking out, but that when we do, um, there really is an audience for those kinds of messages and those kinds of values. Um, and uh, it means there's a lot of work to be done, but um, I think it means that, uh, I think people really do want to, as a, as a nation, do the right thing. And when they're confronted with these issues, they, they do. Thank you so much um, for sharing this time with us. I know you're extremely busy doing all of these amazing things that you just shared with us now. Um, to our viewers, you know, I think we can center ourselves on Kristen's message um, of how we can mobilize around this issue, get involved, um, and center ourselves on the hope that folks will do the right thing. Um, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing this time with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to talk to you.